Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer, joined by Franco Panizo. Franco, we finally have a body of work to sink our teeth into after Inter-Miami played and lost their second game, this time to DC United. Yeah, it was a eventful game too, so there's plenty to touch on. Hopefully we'll keep it in the time limit that we've uh, established so far in the early going of the, of the pod, but definitely an eventful game. Yeah, and we've been pretty good about that, so... So I think far. right. With so it, you've been editing and doing all the I've been trying all to the production. keep you quiet. So you okay, know. good. You're, you've <laughs> been doing a good job. Uh, before we kick things off, just a reminder that you can follow us on various social media platforms: MIA Total Football, Football F U T B O L on Twitter, Miami underscore Total underscore Football on Instagram, and Miami Total Football on Facebook. You get a good dose of Franco on those breaking news, poor game analysis, and more. Remember that you can also submit your questions and join the conversation at hashtag MTFR. Become an MTFer, as Franco likes to say. And if you could, take a moment, leave a review on iTunes that attracts more people to our podcast. More. Yeah, I don't think we have an official one yet. So a written one. Yeah, a written one. But people, one, so people are clicking on stars. They are, they are clicking on stars. And but they're pretty good know, so far. It's, it's, we need the historic first MTF. We need our Rodolfo Pizarro to come through with the first. That's right. Uh, are you our next Rodolfo Pizarro? <laughs> Will you leave us a, um, a, 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 a loving, a, uh, sweet, a truthful? Sweet, early, nice finish into the back of the net. Oh, the... <laughs> there you go. Oh, and one more thing. Franco and I will be at the home opener on Saturday. We'll get there early and uh, or early-ish, and hopefully we'll get to uh, meet some of you. So if you see us, if you recognize us, say hello. Um, if you don't like us, say nothing at all. Okay, let's get to it. A week after losing their inaugural game at LAFC, Inter-Miami lost their second game, this time to DC United, after going ahead through Rodolfo Pizarro, a game not without controversy, Franco. Yeah, it was uh, a lot of moments to touch on, like like I said before. Uh, the referee was definitely a pivotal part of this one. From Hialeah, um, Miami. Yeah, yeah, that interesting little twist there, so... Um, We'll dissect that and touch on that, and you know, see where we stand. I don't know if we agree or disagree um, yet on those. Ooh. We haven't really talked too much about them. We yeah, had, we, we exchanged some messages. Yeah, a couple of texts, but we don't really let on as to what we're thinking exactly. And I'm sure we're going to disagree about some things. Finally, but before we do that, let's go over the starting eleven. So it was sure. uh, a formation switch and two changes to the starting eleven. Robles in between the sticks, and from left to right, sorry, from right to left, a back through of Andres Reyes, Roman Torres, and Nico Figal, Dylan Nealis, Nealis, and Ben Sweat were the wing backs. Vic- Victor Ulloa and Will Trapp started as center mids, and Lewis Morgan, Robbie Robson, and Rodolfo Pizarro played up top. Robbie Robson. The attacking reference point. He I, think, would, I think you're forgetting the N in his name. You say Robbie Robson. Robbie Robinson. Robbie Robinson. I know. I've said, that, I've said that like three times. Robinson. Robinson. There we go. Robbie Robinson. Sadly, he'd come off injured. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit. I mentioned that there were two personnel changes. Matias Pellegrini was relegated to the bench. And unsurprisingly, Alvis Powell wasn't included in the squad list after his nightmare in LA. And I think that's about that on Alvis Powell. Uh, let's let's talk about the big moment, the historic moment, and that was Rodolfo Pizarro scoring 
the opening goal, the first ever goal for this franchise. Heads up play for from Robbie Robinson mm-hmm. to um, intercept. Really, he was gifted a pass by Julian Gressel across the midfield line. He then makes a good run, slips the ball through to Lewis Morgan on the right-hand side, who squares it, red carpet pass to Pizarro. And according to uh, MLSsoccer.com, a very high XG on that finish. It would be easier to, you're shaking your head. Why, 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 why did you even say XG? Like expected goals? No, no. I'm, I don't, I'm, uh, not, we'll, I'm we'll not an expected we'll ad- goals person. Are you, are you, you're, uh, you're not? Well, no, that's zero. What, well, zero, un- zero expected goals. Unsurprising because yeah. you're behind the time. So a, a high percentage, <laughs> a high percentage conversion shot. If you missed from there, we'd be scratching our heads. Do you, How you, did know, you know expected goals don't take into consideration, you know, the moment in the game. They don't take into consideration the goalkeeper you're facing. It's like it's just a formula that someone created. And yeah, and it's a it's a pretty accurate formula when you know, compare. I don't know how you can say it's accurate when it's a shot in the second minute from close range is not the same as a shot. Well, in I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. If you look range. at if you look at season tallies for any league and you look at the XG, right? So XG, by the way. For those of you who don't know, is it stands for expected goals, and it is a statistic that measures the likelihood that a goal is scored. So if you shoot from Poorly. 35, 35 yards out, uh, your XG is low. If you have a shot like the one that Rodolfo Pizarro had, your XG is high. And just to finish my thought before we get to the most important things, if you actually look at a whole season and you look at expected goals and then compares that and compare that with the goals that a team has scored or a team has conceded, very, very even for the most part. There, of course, there are some discrepancies, but for the most part, very even. I'll tell you what it doesn't do, though. Terrible stuff. There are situations where, where teams build up very well, get to the attacking third, and then the final passes, the final decisions uh, leave a lot to be desired. And in that way, it can be pretty deceiving. Okay, but let's go to that goal. It's a big moment, and it was a deserved moment in the game. Yeah, I mean, Inter-Miami fans were waiting in week one uh, to... to sp- scream and burst at the top of their lungs with a goal uh, chant or a goal shout. Didn't get that opportunity, but they didn't have to wait very long uh, in week two. Uh, like you said, the low ball comes in. Pizarro's, you know, frees himself of his mark. No one, no one around him and, you know, just taps it in with his with his right foot, his weaker foot. Um, and, you know, it, and it was just ecstasy. I was actually at uh, America's Got Soccer uh, in Fort Lauderdale uh, where the Southern Legion had a, a watch party. And, man, the scenes were... We're we're uh we're exciting to see. Just everyone was in ecstasy, jumping up and down, screaming, chanting. There was a guy with a Pizarro jersey who stood up either on a table or on a chair, and he was pointing to the back of his jersey. I mean, it was just pure bliss. Uh, in in you know, what a dream start for Inter Miami to start off their their second game, especially after week one. You know, getting stuck without without having that opportunity to to shout that goal. You just painted a beautiful picture. Uh, I do that to to your point. My by the way, that. to to your point, I, I think that one of the things that we're seeing that is actually great for Miami is that watch party culture is is a thing here, and that is not a thing yeah. everywhere in MLS. Yeah, so yeah. if you for for example, we both lived in New York for for a very long time. I consider myself a New Yorker, even though I grew up in Europe, um, but. No watch party culture in New York City for the Red Bulls or NYCFC. No, a little bit more, ones. a little there's bit more for ones. NYCFC, I think, there's around the stadium. There's some New York Red Bull fans that go to Legends and um, have done that for a while. Is it, to watch. is it like this though? No, I mean it's definitely a smaller bunch, yeah. a smaller group. Um, and you know, r- right now it's the, you know the the Inter Miami euphoria in in Fort Lauderdale in Miami is really really right 
really resonating. I mean, the Southern Legion had a watch party uh, at America's Got Soccer. Siege had theirs at Funky Buddha uh, in in the in the Broward region, uh, and then Inter Miami had ones at the Wharf in Miami and at the Wharf in Fort Lauderdale for they they held both there. So I mean, there's. I think there was one at Stadio Soccer as well, which is a um, which is a place where you can uh, play soccer. You know, pay to pay to play. Uh, which is which is great. So various various watch parties that you can join if you are an Inter uh, Miami fan. I'm two for two, by the way. You are zero for two. So I'm right on XG and I'm right on this whole <laughs> uh, cultural thing. This is the kind of you're going to get this. So we should keep score, or you should keep score. I mean, I'll, I think I think we'll just let the MTFers take score over the course of the season, and then they'll tell us who got the Absolutely. XG or who got the start, no G or the starting with, LMNOP, whatever you want to call it. Oh man, <laughs> uh, this is going to be a long season. <laughs> long season with you. Let's talk about uh, another event. So. The man who was uh, involved in that goal and played a big part of it was Robbie Robinson, and he goes down injured just before the end of the first half. It should be said that DC also had to make some substitutions because of some injuries of their own. So this was a game where uh, a lot of uh, fr- a lot of fragility was evidenced. But we're talking about into Miami, so let's stick with this. The number nine position was a position that we've been asked about. It's a position that you and I have talked about quite a bit on our first pods because Carranza's injury meant that there was a big hole. Uh, Robbie Robinson had a decent game in the first game. The first 45 for him were the 44 that he was on the field. I think we, we saw a lot of the good attributes that he will bring to this team. And now the concern is how long he's going to be out. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought he had a, a pretty solid first half, a, a step up from where he was in his debut against LAFC. Um, and, and he just seemed much more sure of himself and the decisions he was making, um, whether it was passing it forward, taking it on the dribble, trying to take shots. He took a couple of shots uh, that necessarily weren't great shots, but it was something he talked about during the week in practice. He said, you know, my teammates have encouraged me to take shots, even difficult shots from difficult angles and uh, different spots. But, you know, and you saw that. You saw that he just looked like a more confident player uh, than he did in that first game. And, yeah, he goes down with an injury, and now the question is, is it serious? Is it not serious? Even if it's not serious, how long will he be out for? Inter-Miami has been very, very hush-hush about injuries um, over the course of these first few weeks of the season and going into preseason. Um, so I don't expect that we'll get an official diagnosis um, in the coming days. I could be wrong, uh, but I don't expect that we will. Inter-Miami's got to hope, though, that it's that it's not too severe because – Otherwise, they're they're going to be re- in real trouble uh, in terms of their depth up top. Yeah, a, a real issue. By the way, that was if uh, you heard that that was a train uh, about half a mile away, but you can still hear it here for uh, for some uh, reason. Just going back to it's the MTFers or, coming through, <laughs> sticking to the point more uh, than anything else. Also, the fact that Juan Ogodelo can play that position, and it seems now that he's the only guy to really fit into that role. He comes into the game. Uh, what do you? What impact did you think he made? You know, I, I give my player gratings on sbisoccer.com uh, after every match. I'm going to make that a, a ritual, a habit here for the first season, part of my coverage of the team. And uh, I did not give Juan Agudelo a very good good grade. I've always liked Juan Agudelo's skill set. Um, I like what he can do on the ball. He's technical. Um, but, on you know, it was also a tough thing for him because he comes in for Robbie Robinson late in the first half. And then, as we'll get to, you know, 
the second half begins, and then within a few minutes, everything kind of goes. It falls apart. Right. So it was a tough ask for him, but based on what he did do in the match, because that's, that's what you can rate him on, and that's what you grade him on, um, I didn't think he he played particularly well. He was good at holding it up, but a lot of b- poor touches, a lot of negative passes, just not enough of an impact in the match. But again, granted, certain circumstances probably hindered him a bit. Yeah, he's a player who I think has um – been affected by the fact that he doesn't have really a natural position. He's not a winger. He's not a 10. Uh, he's more of a second striker. There are a lot of teams that don't necessarily play with a second striker or a second striker with his skill set. He is not a number nine, but that is a position that he may have to slot into over the coming weeks, depending on how long Robinson and Carranza are out for. To wrap up the first 45, I was actually quite impressed with the uh, discrepancy between what we saw in L.A., and what we saw in, in D.C., huge improvement. Now, part of that, it has to be said, is down to the fact that D.C., uh, despite a pretty decent starting eleven, looked like a disjointed bunch of players without much of an idea how to go forward, how to go through the motions. There was no established blueprint, and that, for me, is an indictment on their coach, Ben Olsen. Ooh, coming in hot. Because he's been there. Uh, he's been there forever. All right, let's go to the second half because we're not here to talk about – you want to add something there? I, well, so, listen, Inter-Miami had – was the better team. There was only one team in that first half, and it, yep. was, and it was Inter-Miami. Agreed. That said, that whole – this whole possession game that they've talked about and all that that they've done for weeks and mentioned for weeks, there was no possession in that first half. They went long repeatedly. I rewatched the game as I do – with every game that I cover in depth, and they went long repeatedly. They finished that first half losing the possession battle by a 66-34 to 34 mark. They had 34% of the ball in that first half, and that's with as bad as DC played. So was that is that a byproduct of the early goal? I don't think so. I think that was just the, the instructions. You, you saw them play short. You know, Robles would play it short to Roman Torres or... Uh, Nico Figal or Andres Reyes and then from there they would just bypass that early initial pressure from DC and just hit a long ball and let let the attackers uh, It was effective though it's, it I mean effective. if, if, if you effective. have something that is effective don't but, change correct. but it does go down it, it does go down look you mentioned this in our very first pod when you talked about what Diego Alonso said in the press conferences what he said after the preseason games that their intention was to hold on to the ball even though there were questions about that not only because this is a new team but also because if you look at what he did with um, Pachuca if you look at what he did with Monterrey more recently they weren't exactly possession based teams but it also has a little bit to do with the fact that he's still trying to figure out who fits and who doesn't. And the early indication is that we know that one player already doesn't fit, and that's Powell because he wasn't even called up for the match day uh, squad. But let's move on because of time. Let's move on to, to sure. the second half. And that is where the controversy begins because early in the second half, Lewis Morgan scores the second goal, uh, a deflected shot, a shot from just outside the box. A beneficial deflection. Inter Miami think that they've gone two up, but the referee goes to the monitor. VAR, yeah. To VAR and realizes after being told in his earpiece that Roman Torres had handled the ball in a situation that would most likely have left Julian Gressel one on one with Luis Robles. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know if you can 
100% say that Julian Gressel would have been through and through on goal by himself. Like, I think, you know, Roman Torres was there. He could have made at least a play to try to stop him, um, even if Gressel gets to the ball first before uh, Roman Torres. Um, but, the you know, the ball did touch his hand. His, his hand was outstretched. Um, so, I mean, on VAR, you know, you can make that call. You can make that call. Do you have call. any – do you think – is there any part of you that believes that it shouldn't have been red? I I think so. I think you know there's part of me that says, "All right, you call the foul, and you can give him a yellow because he's while his arm is stretched out, it's, he was jockeying for position. The ball just happens to to bounce into his arm. It could have just as easily bounced into his chest or his shoulder. It just bounces into his arm as he's jockeying for position with Julian Gressel." So I could see a yellow, and again, and this wasn't like he stopped a Julian Gressel from like breaking in on goal on the dribble. This ball, the ball was bouncing. They were both fighting for for it, fighting for position. So, I mean, I understand the red. I'm not completely livid that it was red, but I could have also seen it be a yellow, and you know, the deci- the decision that the referee has to make is whether it is a dog so situation, so denial of an obvious goal scoring situation. I think it is a pretty obvious now whether he'd be through on goal, whether he'd score 100%, no. But look, if we're going to make up percentages out of thin air, I would say there's a 70% chance that he's going to be. <laughs> that he's gonna be uh, that's well played. That's more humor than I thought you had uh, in your reservoir of jokes. Uh, I think that, that, that it's, it's a correct call. Now, you've talked about this, and when we were exchanging um, messages, when you're not sending me love notes and you talk about soccer – you did mention, and correctly so, that Roman Torres put himself in that situation. He did. He did. So that now if we're going to go on to Roman Torres' uh, his involvement on that play, he he caused it all to himself. He receives the ball. You know, Inter Miami was playing a high line, and he receives the ball as the middle of the three center backs on the play uh, from the central position. He has He can go left. He can go right. He can go over the top. He tries to play short up the middle. Uh, well, maybe he didn't even try to do that, but that's what ended up coming out. That's the the end product of of his pass, and he passes it right to Julian Gressel, who just in turn quickly comes back his way. He's returning the favor. <laughs> Julian Gressel gave Robinson the 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 pass. It was the same thing. So he so he you know Julian Gressel comes right back the other way. They try to fight for position. He handles it. It's not called right away. Inter Miami scores. There's scenes. There's cheers, and then there's VAR, which robs Inter Miami of all that happiness and joy. So and gives Roman Torres his mar- ends with Roman Torres getting his marching orders and an early shower. Just for the record, the referee was Rubial Vasquez and the VAR was Jeff Gamble. Um the good thing here and, and something that you don't always see in, in leagues worldwide, especially in Europe, is that ultimately Rubial Vasquez has to go to the monitor himself and make the decision. So he's given the authority. He has the authority. He's given the authority in the way that VAR uh, is run by MLS, which I th- which I think is is a good thing. Because very often we've seen this in the Premier League recently. It's usually the VAR making the decision takes some authority away from the referee. Um, clear and obvious, I think so. Correct call uh, for me. And from that point on, understandably, actually, before we go there, again, I agree with you. I just think it, I could have, I, w- I could have also seen yellow and not, I wouldn't, if there was like, orange, eh. it would be orange. Right. 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 
what this led to between the two of us was a discussion about the formation because as I noted earlier, it was a formation change. They played a 4-2-3-1 in the first game, which wasn't very effective. Again, that has something to do with the fact that they were playing against a well-oiled um, LAFC. Because, and, it, and it was their first game. And it was their first game as well. Here they were playing this 3-4-3. For me, more suited to, to the abilities of the 11 on the field. Last week's pod, you said that you thought Miami were missing a little bit of a, a bulldog in midfield, a Victor Uyoa for you, and certainly not Will Trap, uh, or they certainly don't offer the skill set that you are asking for in that position. With a three-man center back line, you all of a sudden don't have to ask them to do that much of the thrashing work in, in the midfield. They're not having to get into um, those physical battles as much. I actually thought that even though Roman Torres had a bad game, that having Figal on one side and Reyes on the other, who I thought had a, a pretty good game, made some important tackles with the ball at his feet. I think there's work to be done there, but he is still young. I thought you actually mitigate or Diego Alonso mitigates one of the issues that you have with Roman Torres, and that is the lack of mobility. If he's playing in, in a, a two-center back, uh, four-man back line, one of the defensive midfielders has to do a lot of work covering. With Figal and, and Reyes next to him, that's no longer the case. But you see a problem with his passing. Roman Torres is not has never been known for his passing, and I don't expect that and to never change. Will be. <laughs> I don't expect that to change now. He's thirty three years old. You know, I, there's only so much better he's going to get with his passing in this system, and only so much more comfortable he's going to get. And you saw it on that play, he, and you saw it throughout throughout this game and throughout. Uh, the season opener and even in preseason, he's not—he's not that—he's not the passer. He's not a clinical passer. He's not a smooth passer. He's not that comfortable on the ball. That's Nico Figal. That's Nico Figal's role. Roman Torres is a bruiser. Now, is is uh, Diego Alonso okay with having a bruiser and a good passer, or does he want two good passers? Um, well, one good passer because Reyes is not the, the the good passer right now. Well, right, he, but, right. but but I'm just but going off the two that have started right. both games. Both so games. Far. He has the inability. He has the ability to grow because he's young, unlike Roman Torres. Right. So again, and Roman on that play just showed his limitations when it comes to the ball. You know, he had multiple options. He could have gone right, left, over the top. He tries to hit low and straight. And it just goes right to Julian Gressel. And he just, he looked uncomfortable even in the first half um, on the ball. Roman Torres, he just, a lot of long balls. Again, Inter-Miami as a whole played that way uh, in the first half. But when he gets, when there's pressure on him, he doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't, like, you're not going to see Roman Torres cut by a defender, um, you know, pull off a, a, a little cutback move and, and then play out of, out of that pressure. You're not going to see that from him. We'll talk about, just before we end this segment, because we got to move on, about why I think that the... 3-4-3 is better suited for for these players. But let's move on to the penalty. Now, this, for me, I thought was a very harsh call. Ulloa completely misses the mark with the ball, but he hardly makes contact with uh, Flores. The ref calls the, the, the penalty, and when he goes to VAR, or when he, he gets the information from VAR, that can only be overturned if it's clear, a clear and obvious uh, mistake, and it's not a clear and obvious mistake. So I think in this situation, Inter-Miami is very hard done. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of that call. Um, obviously, Uloa leaves himself uh, at the mercy of the ref by leaving his boot that high on try, with, while trying to clear the ball. Uh, Edison Flores 
definitely sells it. Um, I think there was minimal contact. I don't think there was much contact. Some probably, but minimal. And he sells it. And the referee buys it, immediately points to the spot. And, you know, then the wheels start to, are starting to fall off for Inter Miami because this was just very quickly. Mo- this was this is moments, yeah. moments after Ro- uh, Roman Torres' red card. Yamil Assad steps up. Robles starts diving before Assad even hits the penalty. I don't think there's anything we can do to criticize because I'm no goalkeeping yeah, you expert. Criticize a little bit. You, you, you aren't either. But let's just give Robles the. I, I do think he goes down a little bit uh, early, but Assad, ice running through his veins, waits for that moment where he commits to his side and puts it away uh, in the opposite direction. And after that, there was a foul, a silly foul. I don't remember exactly what the foul was, but I remember thinking, well, that's a stupid foul to, to give up in, in that area. Flores with the free kick. Well, so just a so the the broadcast goes to the reaction to the goal, DC United, they show the replays, comes back from replays, and you see Will Trap receiving the ball, trying to dribble through pressure, tries to make a, a cheeky pass or tries to tries to play out of this pressure, intense pressure, turns it over. DC United comes back the other way and Will Trap chasing the play. Fouls from that's behind, right. and yeah. that's when. The, and so he not only does he turn it over, he commits, the foul, he commits the foul that leads to this to the free kick, which Fl- then leads to. Well, Flores takes the free kick. Now here is where I think you can be a little bit more critical of Robles. He cheated way too much to his right side, and that was a very central position. Now he was hoping that his wall did its job. Well, which I don't think they didn't do their job. And by the time and when Flores hits that free kick, he's so committed to the right side, or he's cheated so much to the right side that he can't reach it. Lucky for him. Hits the post, so, but the rebound is hit brilliantly by Briand. So quickly, so I think part of what you know, I, I, I'll I'll give Robles a little bit of criticism on the penalty kick for moving a little bit too early. On this play, on the free kick, Julian Gressel and Edison Flores were both over the ball, so it was either going right footed or left footed here. So right. I think that might that that goes into his thought process on that free kick. Now he said, Flores hits it, pings off the bottom part of the right post or Robles's left post. Um, and then Inter Miami just ball, ball watched, ball yeah. watched. There, nope. I mean, even Andres Reyes, who everyone has talked positively about because of the plays he made in open space after it was two to one. To get to two to one, he falls asleep on Briant and lets Briant break in from the wall and get to that and shoot and score. So that's something with a young guy. And again, the whole team fell asleep. So it's not just on Andre Reyes, but. That's just, that's something that that he, as a young guy he's gonna have to work on and improve on to take that next step because you can stop two goals and make great plays with that but if you give up a goal and you're a center back well then you know that affects how your overall performance so um, I I think Inter Miami was just you know stunned by the turn of events I think uh, so too. before Shell it got to two one you yeah. know the red card you I mean emotionally like I I think I tweeted out un golpe anímico which is an emotional blow. They're up 2-0. They're cheering. They're happy. The goal gets taken away, and a red card like it happens, and that's within seconds. Um, then after that, a goal, and then after that, another foul, and then you know. So I just think they they fell. There was asleep. a snowballing effect that was sure. that was very Im- impactful. But to be fair, that shot from Briand was remarkable uh, as well. Uh, I'm gonna criticize Robles there too, man. Like he he gave up the, the near post. Uh, you know, cheaply. can I ju- can I just say this? Can I? Uh, and I've actually. I've had actually had conversations uh, about this with uh, with a former Manchester United goalkeeper about the, the the near post. I think a lot is too much is made about the near post. Um, 
very often a goalkeeper. You know, I criticized Robles before. Of course, I'd, I'd have to see now that that shot again. But I don't remember looking watch looking at that replay and thinking, "Oh man, he really messed up in the in the near post." And there is a tendency for people to say. We can't get beaten at near post. Well, let's not forget that a goalkeeper has to cover an entire frame of the goal. And very often, those shots go across goal. That is a 1 in 10 uh, uh, shot goal, right? You're going to take 10 shots. Five of them are going to go into the stands. Four of them maybe go into Robles' hands. Am I doing my math right? And one of them <laughs> goes, goes in. I failed math. Um, but I think I got, it, I got it right there. So maybe I, I think that's too harsh to say that he got easily beaten at the first post. He got at the near beaten post. a little too easily at the near okay. post. I didn't say, like, oh, man, it's all on Robles. He gave up the near post a little too easily. And the, Never ba- did the, that ba- the, ball, goes, the ball goes over him. The ball goes over him yeah. on the shot because it's a, a half volley from Briant. Um, but I think, it, I think he could have been positioned a little bit better on that play. Well, he also has to spring up to his feet because and, he's on the ground. Well, and and to to, to just to debate your point about um, you know, you want the forward to shoot to the far post cuz that's a harder shot to make. It's harder to shoot the ball across your body into the into the far post than it is to shoot near post. That's just that's just basic, you know, 101. It's easier to shoot I can shoot it at the corner. Like the near post far easier than I can than I have to place it across I, I think to the you, other po- I think that's, you, that's, I, I, that's that, goalkeeping 101 that's goal, you, are you talking from the perspective of Brian or the perspective of Robles as a goalkeeper you want to push the shooter to the far post you, that's, well, why, but that's the prob- why they say cover your yeah, post yeah right? yeah cover but, your near well post. You, you also don't want to get badly beaten but the other thing is when you get a shot across goal there is the opportunity for a deflection there is an opportunity for your forward to get there right but that's that's a lower percentage play than a shot to the near post perhaps perhaps um moving on just because just because of time we'll leave that we'll leave that to to uh goalkeepers out there two last chances for and this is where i think i saw an impressive inter miami they're a man down their backs are against the wall and they press the hell out of dc united successfully i could not believe what i was seeing because dc united again starting 11 they've got some players there they got some guys who can string some passes together. Moreno and Felipe, who mentioned before. Gressel's a good player. What he's done over the last few years in, in uh, Atlanta is impressive, although I don't think he's a central role player. He's much better on the right wing. Inter-Miami press and press, two big opportunities. Lewis Morgan um, gets a uh, gifted a ball, goes up on the right-hand side, or at least central right-hand side, unleashes a furious shot that hits side netting. Pizarro was slightly open, but I think uh, that pass is not really on. It doesn't change anything. If anything, it allows DC to get back into shape. And then the better opportunity, Nealis, who I thought had a good game on the right-hand side. He and Sweat uh, were freed by this uh, this formation. Nealis hits the ball over his head. Figal, back post header with a considerable amount of power, but straight into the hands of Bilamid. Yeah, Figal also had a shot where he was close to the top of the box, tried to side foot it with his left, um, and he like pushed it wide of, of the far post. Um, so Inter-Miami in that moment, as much as we can dive into the formation and the tactics, they reacted, which is what they did not do when Roman Torres got the red card. They just kind of crumbled and fell apart. They just got taken by the moment. When it was 2-1... They reacted and they put in effort and heart and the same, you know, the same stuff that we had seen for much of this game and much of the game against LAFC. We saw that again. 
But during the, that five-minute spell or that 10-minute spell in the second half where everything just fell apart, we didn't see that. We didn't see that reaction from the team. And that, that could be a case of it being a, a team that's still coming together who takes on the leadership role to say, hey, you know, Robles has the captain's armband, but, you know, who's, who's really rallying the troops and being that type of... And who's picking up the ball and taking it upfield? Right. You know, we saw Figal do that a, a lot. He would come into the midfield. He'd try and spread the ball le- left and right. Uh, we saw that a little bit with uh, Ulloa as well. And Pisado was coming deeper into the midfield to try and make things happen. Um, for me, I mean, if you look at if you look at the whole game, Pizarro was probably the best player for for in, Inter Miami. Although I didn't think anybody stuck out that much, I think that there were a lot of players who performed pretty well. But I I completely agree with you. You're pretty much wrong about all the other things that that you said. But there was a reaction here, and the action the reaction was a good one. And I think the reaction can inject some confidence into Inter Miami coming into uh, their home opener. Yeah, and that's, and that's what they talked about after the game, and that's what Diego Alonso, just to, to wrap up here, um, talked about was just that, you know, he was proud of, of coaching this group because of the effort they put forth and how they reacted. If that reaction had come maybe five to ten minutes earlier, maybe Inter-Miami gets away with a point or maybe three. Came a little too late. Still impressive overall, all things considered, but, you know, things things to work on for Inter-Miami going forward. We're going to take a little break, have a little palate cleanser, and then we'll come back to answer your questions and look ahead to the home opener against LA Galaxy. Okay, it's empty effort mail time. Remember that you can interact with us by using the hashtag MTFR. So MTFers. And here's the first question. It starts with an invitation to go and have some free drinks, I'm assuming, at uh, Broski Ciderworks in Pompano Beach. And the question is this. What news do you have regarding Qatar Airways? The kit is looking a little dull and naked without an official sponsor. So I think we want to get through the mailbag uh, quickly so that we can uh, wrap up the show because obviously we we talked a lot about the game. But I will say this um, before we answer the question. You had you've been flip flopping with me for the last couple weeks. Whether initially initially no 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 initially you started with you liking the jersey then. We didn't get to talk about it on last week's show. You said you didn't like the jersey once you saw it in action. Now you flip-flop a second time and say you do like it again. So which is it, Eric? The people want to know. I like the jersey. Let me say this. I like classic plain jerseys. It's just a, it's a matter of taste. What I said to you, because you like taking things out of context, <laughs> what I said to you is that in that first game, that first broadcast, and you were there in the stadium, um, I have a family. I can't just take up and and go to LA like you single dude I didn't think that the pink popped in the trim but I think it popped a little more maybe because of the sunlight in dreary cold uh, DC but I, I think the the fact that it doesn't have a sponsor makes it look a little bit plainer but what put me off a little bit even though I'm back on the side of liking the jersey it was a little too um it's a word, a little, not glittery, a little too shiny. shiny. It was a little too shiny. All right, your question. Um, wait, we didn't answer. We didn't gotta, oh, we I don't I don't know anything about the sponsorship going uh, on. I mean, Qatar Airways is the favorite. Um, they've said, the team has said publicly that uh, there's been no official uh, brand chosen. So it's still in a, in a holding pattern. 
Um, I would if I'm you know if I'm a betting man, which I'm not really. Um, I would say Guitar Airways is is the favorite, um, and that we'll see something announced sooner rather than later. Um, so next question, uh, let's see where are we? Comes from at Doofster One. He says two games in, and there are huge concerns with this team. Defense is in ser- is a serious question. Figal's the only saving grace. Attack is terrible. We need a number nine. Pizarro's playing his heart out. He needs support. What are your thoughts on how to move forward with these two lines, Eric? Oh, the the question is for me. I'm, I'm asking well, I think you. the issue now uh, up top is look, you have what you have, and you're dealing with with injuries. Are we gonna see? Uh, Key Sweater uh, come in and perhaps play a part. Was he a part of the squad? I don't think he was a part of this squad either, right? So it seems to me like he's out of the plans. So it's about Aguadelo. In terms of Pizarro doing things alone, I don't know if I completely agree. I thought Lewis Morgan looked good going forward. We still have Pellegrini on the bench, and he came into this game in a tough situation. You're a man down. Um, you're asked to do a lot of pressing when you haven't even gotten into the rhythm of the game. So... Let's see what Agudelo does if he starts the next game. Let's see where Pellegrini slots in, um, and then we'll see. And then I think we'll have more to say about that that number nine position. But I don't think they have many options even outside of the team in terms of signing somebody. Will they sign somebody in the summer, perhaps a bona fide superstar, somebody like a Luis Suarez, who a lot of people are saying is is going to leave Barcelona at the end of the season? I mean, that would be a great addition to to, to the team. As for uh, the, the back line. I thought Figal was more impressive against LAFC. I thought he lost his head a little bit in this game. And again, for the most part... I He was I, lucky not to be sent off. On he that. was very lucky not to get sent off. He should have been sent off. And even Diego Alonso's reaction to, to that second tackle, where he was basically pointing to his temple and use your, use your brain. Pensa, pensa. Yeah, it tells you everything you need to know. I thought, I thought Reyes did pretty well for his first game, and he's a, he's a young guy. Uh, great, he, great, great, great close down speed. Great yes, he's team. fast as hell. He's fast as hell. The, the in possession, there's work to be done there. I actually think that there's there's something to be optimistic about in terms of the center back position. The question is, are we going to see a back three or a back four going forward? Oh, it's me, right? Yep. Uh, this is from a underscore hoyos sixteen. This is Andres, and he is from Fort Lauderdale. We forgot to answer your question last week. Um, hey guys, it's well, it's pretty straightforward. But how good was Andres Reyes? I guess that's already answered. We liked him as well. Uh, he says that Roman's uh, Roman Torres's handball was not a red. Uh, I disagree. And he mentions also that the re- referee was from Hialeah. My dad used to ref with him. So Andres, the only thing. So Andres, s- it's technically your fault then. Yeah, no, well, you didn't sweeten the the, the deal. Pot, yeah. yeah. So like, the only thing that I was gonna say to Andres is. Don't don't get the address and give it to uh, to Miami supporters because <laughs> that, that could be bad news for him. Go ahead, Franco. Um, so let's see where are we. Uh, the next one comes from my brother, um, aka. Is this Tank Seven Twenty One? Yeah, this is. Uh, well, this, yeah, Tank Seven Two One at Bruno Twenty One Seventy Seven. What formation and starting eleven do y'all believe we'll see Saturday against the Galaxy? Do you believe we need to change up our center midfield tandem of Trap and Uyoa to better set up attacking plays and connect the defense to the forwards? I do think the midfield, uh, they need to work on that. I don't think in either game it's been a strong suit. I think again in this game we saw uh, a lot of long balls played. Um, I, Trap did have some good, uh, init- you know, some good passes that initiated sequences, but overall on the whole wasn't enough. Um, and yeah, again against LAFC, it was it was kind of a 
more of the same, probably a little bit worse in terms of that central midfield uh, leaving a stamp on on things. So, um, yeah. Well, my because we have no Roman Torres, uh, and by we I'm not talking about us Miami. I'm talking about Miami. Um, what? That made no sense. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's possible to go with three men at the back. They do have AJ De La Garza, Christian McCoon, uh, McCoon as well, and they could slot in. Uh, De La Garza plays right back, and he plays center back. So why not? He's he's a veteran. He's played for two very good t- two championship teams, so he can bring a lot to to the back line. I'd like to three uh, to see the same three four three, and that's partly because. What I said earlier about Uyo and Trap, who I think will only grow better the more they play with each other, but also because Pizarro had a lot more freedom. Uh, he cut into the midfield. Um, Morgan also had a, a more freedom. He wasn't just stuck on the right-hand side. So that's the formation I'd like to see for Miami going forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we can get on to that once we get to the, the Galaxy preview. Um, I'll, I'll touch a little more on the lineup uh, just for the sake of time. Don't want to... Uh, touch on that now because it's a longer conversation is it a longer conversation is that it for questions uh we have a couple more we have all right go ahead uh from at fighting herons no g fighting fighting herons thought inter was the better team on saturday five minutes of lost focus after the red card cost them the match is it fair to question how that loss of focus can happen at this level would having an outfield player as captain instead of a goalkeeper have helped in that regard no you don't need the captain's armband in order to be a leader on the field. Um, so uh, there are some people who believe that an outfielder should wear the, the armband, but the reality is if you're a leader, you're a leader. Can players lose focus, particularly when, when something goes against them in the way that it did in this game? Absolutely. They're only human. And we don't just see it with Inter-Miami. We see it with a lot of bigger bigger teams. Loss of focus, Champions League semifinal at Anfield between Barcelona and and Liverpool Quick corner, Barcelona players aren't paying attention. Origi scores the goal that sends Liverpool through. And that's the absolute highest level of this game. So these things happen everywhere in professional sports. And then the, the last question we have is from at Jovi Most Curved. What happened to the Almendra loan? That's all you. Um, yeah, Jorge Mas said a couple weeks ago, uh, it's happening soon. He's coming soon, and crickets since then. I would still expect that something gets done uh, in the relatively near future. I think Jorge Mas, uh, maybe you know, he's he's not the the sporting director. He doesn't necessarily play it, uh, lack for lack of a better term, uh, politically correct when it comes to talking about signings and players. And he's a little more just uh, just just talks a little more openly and outwardly about what's happening without necessarily being close close so i think if it had been you know paul mcdonough talking about it i don't think he would have been like yeah we're close i think he would have been like we're trying to finalize it so that you don't set the expectations that he's coming soon jorge mas is you he know would generalize right, a little bit more right 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 so um he, i i would expect him to sign he, though he is uh he is uh more of a veteran in the communications department when it comes to to these things. Well, a little well, bit more well, polished in that well, department. Well, Jorge Mas is like the he rallies, you know, he gets yeah. you, he pumps he's you up and gets guy. you right, exactly. He's the hype so guy. he he no, he's he's the DJ Khaled of the group. He doesn't care. <laughs> he doesn't care about that. I hope you know who DJ Khaled is cuz you don't know who Bad Bunny is, so DJ Khaled, I don't yeah, know. Unfortunately, I know who both of them are. <laughs> that We're was gonna, it for our first uh well, that, our second actually. 
Second what? Our second mail. Um, yeah. MTF or mailbag. So. That's it. That's it. And you know what you need to do if you want your questions and comments on the pod. We're going to preview the game right after, the, right after this. For us, this is the very beginning. and We're starting new. And it's unrealistic to think that we're going to be perfect or complete right from the beginning. But if we look at all phases of the game, we can improve. All right, time to look ahead to the home opener versus the struggling LA Galaxy. The five-time champions drew their opener against Houston and lost at home against the Whitecaps. You you got LA if you're Inter Miami exactly where you want them coming into this game. A frustrated Chicharito and a team low on confidence. Yeah, it's going to be uh, you know, in terms of the performance, the, the performances that the LA Galaxy have had it has not been uh, pretty, have not been great, um, which you know helps Inter Miami's cause, obviously. Um, but they're going to be hungry, and it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, game of the weekend. So uh, the national spotlight will be on both teams, uh, and you know big players rise up to big occasions. So I would expect Chicharito, as frustrated as he's, as he's been, to, to be fired up for this one, to be ready for this one, to want to make a difference in this one. Um, you know, there's going to be so much that goes into it. And I think that's something Diego Alonso talked about uh, last week as well is, you know, once they get to this home opener, they have to enjoy the home opener for what it is, you know, take in all the emotions that come with it, but they have to focus on those 90 minutes. That's actually the most important thing, I, I, I think. There were all the emotions going into their very first game against LAFC, and now they have to deal with that all over again because they're in front of their home fans. Uh, and you have to wonder how much of an impact that will have on the players. And that is when we, you know, we had a question about leadership. That's when the leaders have to come in. The leaders have to find a way to make sure that the younger guys are settled going into this game. Having said that, a guy like Matias Pellegrini, who came from Independiente, I mean, he's played against Racing in the Argentine uh, Super League. So these are, he's he's a player who is used to that kind uh, of environment. Sorry, uh, he didn't come, he came from Estudiantes. It was Figal who came from Independiente. Uh, Figal's older. So there are players there that, that have got the experience, I think. Then you join in with Wood Robles. It's also going to be a very interesting game for 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 David Beckham, right? The the yeah. the the team that it's not a coincidence that the first no, Inter Miami home game is against the LA Galaxy, not. his, his former team that he played for in, in MLS. Um, obviously, he's going to be rooting for Inter Miami for sure. Oh, I think they continue uh, even though there's no more Roman Torres because we gotta we really have to wrap this up and we're we're going to end by giving you a little bit of context about what's happening in the league. Uh, as well, very, very quickly. I'm going to ask Franco what his top stories are right now in MLS, and he'll do the same for me. I think he sticks with the 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 three four three. It it worked. There was there was a noticeable, a discernible jump in quality. I think we see it again, even without Roman Torres. I think he's going to go back to the four two uh, three one. I think we don't see that three man center back just because of the personnel. Um, I just don't think that, that he's going to go either with a young Christian McCoon and a young Andres Reyes, and I don't think he sees A.J. De La Garza as a center back. I, you know, A.J. De La Garza played uh, center midfield uh, during one preseason game, so don't think we're going to see... This in this system? No, 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 in the, the, in the four two three one. Correct. So I don't, I, don't think, I don't think he's going to go with a... With, and just qu- quickly to me, the key to the game will be how Dylan Nealis 
holds up against Pavon. Pavon. Yeah. That's that's the matchup. Yeah. In the midfield, I think the rest of the midfield, this will be the, this will be a game where Miami's. I've, you know, I've criticized the midfield, and, and I think they need to do better there. I think this is the game where they will have more of the ball in that midfield, and where they can play a little more. You know, if you looked at the midfield for the LA Galaxy this, this past week, um, it was Sasha Kleshton, uh Jonathan DeSantos. Who, by the way, is a, is a fitness question mark f- for this game because he did not look uh, like he was healthy uh, against the Whitecaps. So, I, I, again, I think Inter-Miami can have more of the ball in that midfield and can dictate more of the tempo in the play. Um, and I think that, that we'll see that. But they have to hold up defensively. Pavon against the rookie, uh, Dylan Nealis, is a huge matchup in this one. Yep. It's probably the biggest matchup yep. uh, when it comes to Inter-Miami. So that's, that's something that... Uh, I'm sure Diego Alonso is planning for, and, I'm, and that's something to keep an eye on on Saturday. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Before we finish off, Franco, uh, I just mentioned it. We're two weeks in uh, in MLS. What for you are some of the big stories? Very quickly, still LAFC, man. For me, LAFC. Uh, you know, the game last night, they got punched in the mouth once, hit back immediately. Got punched in the mouth the second time, hit back immediately. Got punched in the mouth a third time, hit back what immediately. What a game that was. 3-3 three, three Incre- ended between LAFC game. and Philadelphia. Incredible game. What uh, a goal by the new uh, by the center back for, for Philadelphia. Inc- incredible game overall. But to me, LAFC is still the talking point. I'll also quickly add, Minnesota has come out hot. Yep. Um, Adrian Heath getting they, it all right. They've, yeah. had, they've had the, they had the good fortune this past weekend of, uh, of playing the the San Jose Earthquakes. Yep. So, I mean, that always helps. But, um, yeah, those that's for me. Those two are the, the biggest talking points. So far. I'll add two more because I certainly had Minnesota in there. LAFC defensively, a little shaky uh, at times. Alan Polito at Sporting Kansas City. Chicharito stole all the headlines as the Mexican international coming into the league. Uh, Alan Polito leaves Liga MX. Uh, he is now Emekis. He is now at Sporting KC. Two goals, one assist in two games. That bodes well for Peter Vermees and his team, who are also looking pretty good. Franco, last thoughts and make it quick. You got 25 seconds, not uh, even. Uh, first home game this weekend for Inter-Miami. We'll be there. Again, if you guys are around uh, and, and would love to chat, we'd love to chat with you guys, talk, hear your opinions on the team, the pod, anything. Um, we'll be there. We're taking it all in. We'll be enjoying it, obviously, from a neutral perspective. Won't be in, as passionate about it, but fully, fully going to enjoy um, what should be a heck of a of a party. Miami's going to show, and Fort Lauderdale are going to show uh, how, how soccer's done in South Florida. I have no doubt about that on, on Saturday. And we'll end it at that. Spread the word about the pod, everybody. See you next week.